Lockout. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. My name is David Vignola. This is episode 43. This week, I'm going to tell you about the top five studio tools or gadgets that I have that I use every day in my studio that are my favorites, things that if you don't have or you're thinking about picking up, I'm going to give you some of my recommendations. What five things do I use in my studio every single day that I couldn't live without? Well, that's what we're going to talk about in this week's podcast. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, leave comments below if you're listening to this on YouTube and give me some five-star reviews if you would. It really does help me. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, I'm going to give you a couple of free gifts. So what are the top five things I love to use in my studio every day? Let's talk about it right here on the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode here at the Home Recording Made Easy.com podcast. This is episode number 43, and my name is David Vignola. If you didn't know that already, if you are new here, welcome to our family here at Home Recording Made Easy. I want you to stick around to the end of the episode if you'd be so kind, because I want to give you a couple of free gifts, especially if you're somebody that is new here. So this week's episode, I want to tell you about the top five things that I use in my studio every single day. Things that I don't normally talk about. I don't know. It's just these, I just realized, you know certain things that I reach for every single day <laughs> that if I didn't have, I don't know how I would do my job here every day. Maybe this will uh, relate to you. Maybe there'll be a tool or two in here that you think, hey, I didn't even think of that. Maybe I'll check that up, check that out for myself. So that's what we're going to talk about this week. We're not going to get too deep into, into uh, philosophical conversations like we do on most podcast episodes, talking about different concepts and techniques and the rights and the wrongs of the home recording studio world. I just want to make this light, fun, quick, and easy give you some of the things that I use every single day, and then maybe you could check them out for yourself. So make sure that you like, subscribe, share, and also leave five-star reviews if you'd be so kind. If this podcast has helped you in any way, I really do appreciate it. And if you are listening to this on the YouTube channel over at Home Recording Made Easy, make sure you leave some comments below. Give me the old thumbs up. It really does help. And the more you help me, the more I can help you by creating more podcast episode ideas. So the very first tool or thing or gadget that I use in my studio every single day, it's actually multiple items, but it is all part of the um, company Triad Orbit. They make microphone stands and microphone stand accessories for the studio environment. And I've done some videos many years ago. I did a, a video back in the early days of Home Recording Made Easy on Triad Orbit. And you can check out the video. The video quality is not that great, but it, it goes through all their different accessories and product lines and mic stands at that particular time. And they've added more products since then. But I got to tell you, in my studio, um, I have Triad Orbit all over the place. It's the only microphone stand that I will ever use now. I've gotten rid of all of those cheap on stage and some of these other mic stands that are $20, $30 stands that are kind of hollow, you know, out tubing, thin kind of tubing that tip over easy. They're not very durable. And all the clamps are all nylon bushings and such, all the, you know, the mic lock clamps and things break over time. Triad Orbit is these rugged, heavy duty microphone stands. I mean, their average microphone stand probably weighs, I don't know, 15 pounds. I mean, you could kill someone with it if you hit them over the head with it. I encourage you to go check out uh, Sweetwater.com. The link will be in the description box below and search for Triad, T-R-I-A-D, Orbit, O-R-B-I-T, and see all the things they have to offer. Now, I will tell you, they are a little pricey, and they make everything from microphone stands to different types of clamps and accessories for lighting, cameras, 
Um, I mean, everything you could possibly think of. If you have to clamp something, hang something, attach something, move something around in your studio, regardless of what it is, Triad Orbit will have something that will fit your needs. They make three or four different microphone stands themselves. They got everything from the micro stand, the, the mini uh, microphone stand, and then they have what's called a T1, a T2, and a T3. Each one of those um, is taller in size, so it can go up higher in the air. And they make all different kinds of boom arms and everything else. And I have, my whole studio is filled with Triad Orbit. and has been for many years, and I've never had a single stand break, fall apart, tip over with a microphone on it, or anything like that. All throughout my studio, I have clamps and different accessories to clamp all my lighting, all my camera gear, my microphone, my boom arm that I'm using for the microphone I'm speaking to you through right now, and a whole host of things. So I don't know how I could live without Triad Orbit in my life. It's a one-stop shop, heavy-duty, rugged stuff. You buy it once, you will never have to buy it again. So that's the first thing. Triad Orbit, their mic stands and accessories. The second thing that I use all the time, and I, I know I use it, I reach for it as I'm sitting here every day, I just, it just kind of somehow, it's just second nature, and I don't think about it, is my little uh, PreSonus single channel fader port with transport controls for my DAW. So I'm a big fan of these little DAW controllers. Now I only have the little single channel fader port. Uh, PreSonus makes an eight channel, they make a 16 channel, there are other companies now that are making uh, surface controls for your DAW. And although I, I don't I don't necessarily like the ones where, you know, the eight channels where I can control banks of faders and stuff, I just like the little single channel one that sits on the corner of my desk. It has all the transport controls for, you know, record and stop and loop and play. Um, and it's got, you know, shuttle controls. But what I really like about it, it's a motorized fader and I love it for writing and automation, it's perfect. It's cheap, it's inexpensive, and it just sits on the corner of my desk. It doesn't take up a whole bunch of desk space and is a great utility thing. The other thing that something like this, the single channel fader port or something similar, is if you're someone who records yourself playing music while you're the engineer and the musician, let's say guitar, and you, you know, you constantly you don't have to constantly have the guitar in your lap, reach for the mouse to click the little record button in your DAW and then back it, you know, you don't have to touch a mouse or a keyboard. It all could be done from this little fader port at the press of a button. You can also hook up an external foot switch to this so you can have both your hands on the instrument and you could turn your computer's record on and off um, with the tap of your foot, which is kind of nice. So again, I use the PreSonus fader port because I've had it for years. Um, and I love it. Um, so you could check out that stuff again at Sweetwater. Um, or you can check out there's other companies that make things that are similar. But any kind of a little single channel control fader port type of a deal, I love it. I use it every single day. I'm constantly reaching for it. And if it wasn't there, I would be like a fish out of water. <laughs> so the fader port, the fader port. The next tool that I use every single day, and I've talked about this before, and this is a recent upgrade for me, um, is, I, is I have um, a monitor controller. And my monitor controller is made by uh, Heritage Audio. This is called the RAM 2000. And this is uh, like kind of the control center, kind of the mothership, where my main volume for my speakers is on it. I have the ability to put three sets of studio monitors in it so I can flip back and forth and check my, my, my mixing on three different speakers. It's Bluetooth so I can stream music from my phone through it as a reference track if I wanted to. It's got a talkback system in it if you're recording artists and you have a talkback system. It's got a whole host of features and it's got a couple of headphone amplifiers. Um, and what I really love about 
this particular unit, I used to have a PreSonus monitor station along with my fader port. I had their monitor station, which has all the same features minus the Bluetooth connectivity that I just spoke of. But I'll tell you, that was an inex that's an inexpensive unit and there's nothing wrong with it. But what I found as I was upgrading my monitoring system, my controller, my interface, my converters, and my speakers uh, several years back, I realized that, that, that the, um, the PreSonus monitor station was actually coloring the sound. It wasn't transparent. Um, and when I put this RAM Heritage, uh, or the, excuse me, the Heritage Audio RAM 2000 in, I instantly heard clarity and openness in my mixes that I never heard before. So a good monitor controller is key. This particular one um, has um, the, 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 the potentiometer for the volume for your speakers. This is, has actual relays in it and you can hear it click and it's stepped as opposed to a cheaper unit which has a passive uh, potentiometer which um, doesn't have relays in it and there's some, you know, there's better quality components and it also um, makes sure that the uh, volume coming out of the left speaker and the right speaker are identical. So again, we're not getting into too much crazy detailedness, but I love my monitor controller. It is a central unit, something my hand physically touches many, many hundreds of times a day probably. Um, and it is where all of my speakers and all of my audio sources are plugged into. And if you get a good quality one, it'll serve you well and uh, you'll be happy that you did. So that's my third thing that I use here every day, an important tool in my, uh, in my studio here that I really couldn't live without. <clears throat> the fourth one is, um, is uh, something that kind of goes along with my speaker system, something that I upgraded recently. Again, it's not a tool, but it's an addition um, to help my monitoring system. We're talking about monitoring system. And I actually uh, finally purchased a proper subwoofer that was made and designed to go with my near field monitors. I use a uh, Focal Solo B6 near field, and I bought the Focal 11 inch subwoofer, powered subwoofer to go with it. And I mixed for years without a subwoofer. And I've tried over the years at times to add a subwoofer to my setup. And I've always done what a lot of people do, go out and buy the cheap $400 subwoofer, the $300 subwoofer, not going to name any name brands because that's not fair. And then you try to pair them up with a really nice set of near fields. And what you find is that the subwoofer makes every, it just, it, it was really difficult. It made everything sound boomy and, and muddy and flubby. It did not sound tight and focused. Um, no matter how low I kept the subwoofer in volume, I never got it to sound right. You could tell that there was a subwoofer in the room and I tried all different kinds of placements, so on and so forth. When I finally talked to my good buddies over at Sweetwater and told them about my experience as I was considering getting a subwoofer again, they said, have you tried the Focal subwoofer that actually is made to go with your near fields? I said, no, I haven't, but I've looked at it before, but it's a really pricey. It's like 1600 bucks for this subwoofer you know, versus buying a $400 subwoofer. And I learned a valuable lesson like I try to teach all of you about times. Sometimes you get what you pay for. And Sweetwater said to me, like they would say to you, you know what? You have no idea how good a sub can sound in your system until you have a proper subwoofer that was built properly, that has the right specs, the right drivers, and that was made to go with those near fields. So they said, try this Focal sub. If you don't like it, you can send it back. That's why I love Sweetwater. And I tried it and I put it in the same spot that I put some of those cheaper brands in. I turned it up to the same level, which by the way, is at a very low volume. So you don't even know that there's a sub in the room. You just know that you hear wonderful sounding. You think it's coming out of the near fields. And I could tell you, I'm, I'm so angry at myself for not trying this years earlier. And now I couldn't mix without it. 
I would have a hard time mixing without a proper subwoofer. And again, I use the word proper to make sure that you have a subwoofer that from a spec standpoint is matched up well with your near fields. The thing about a cheap subwoofer, what I learned was, again, the drivers aren't very efficient, they're not very high quality, and they will tend to sound very boomy and flubby and muddy, no matter where you put them. Where if you get the right subwoofer, like in this Focal, it just, it sounds beautiful and tight and focused like you would expect a good sub uh, to, to sound. And so again, that's one of my favorite things. And now I recommend subs to all of my students when they ask me about it, but I always predicate it by saying, make sure you get the proper subwoofer. Don't get a cheap sub and then crank it up because you love listening to the bass while you're mixing because your, 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 balance, your low end's not gonna be right in your final mix and it won't translate well. So proper subwoofer, that's my fourth uh, favorite tool or gadget. Or, and then my last one here is one that we talk about all the time. And again, it's a tool. It's not sexy, it's not fun. You don't, it's not like a fun plug-in and it's not a new piece of gear. Acoustic treatment. Yes, I'm gonna say it again for probably the 10th podcast in a row. Acoustic treatment is a major and such an important tool to you in a home studio, especially if you're trying to mix music. Yes, important, really important when you're recording music, especially depending on what you're recording, if you're recording live drums or guitars and vocals and those things, but way more important and more effective to help you get really good mixes when you're mixing music. Acoustic treatment is huge. And I can't tell you how many times I talk about this all the time because it's still one of the things that a lot of people will overlook or they go, oh, you know, it's a lot of money. And it, it, you could do it for not a lot of money. You can spend a lot of money, but to not have decent acoustic treatment and most importantly placed in the right way in your room can really... It's like taking one step forward, five steps backwards when you talk about mixing music in particular. And so acoustic treatment, I couldn't live without acoustic treatment. You know, if you're mixing in headphones, that's one thing that's for a different topic. We've talked about that before. But if you're going to mix with speakers in a room, and especially if you're going to mix with a subwoofer, if you don't have acoustic treatment, in particular bass trapping and the proper amount of bass trapping, you will never get the low end to translate right in your mixes. You will be guessing it will be like throwing a dart at a dartboard while you're completely blindfolded and standing with your back to the dartboard. That's how hard it is. You're hitting a moving target. You have no clue. You know, you're shooting first and asking questions later. So acoustic treatment is huge. It's, it's a very, very important tool in any studio. And um, a lot of people just don't pay attention to it. And they, they think it's not that big of a deal or they buy everything else first. And then it's always an afterthought, the acoustic treatment. And I'm here to tell you, when you're setting up a studio, it should be one of the first things that you consider. If you already have a studio set up and you don't have decent uh, made, whether you make them yourself or purchase them, properly placed acoustic treatment in your room, you really, you really, really ought to get on that. And again, I have YouTube videos that talk about that. I've talked about acoustic treatment and more specific things about acoustic treatment in several podcast episodes. And there is an, an enormous amount of information online you can find. And once again, you can also go to sweetwater.com and they have three or four companies that they sell products from that make acoustic treatment. And you could contact those companies. And I think you could even work with Sweetwater directly 
where you can send them a picture of your um, of your workspace or a diagram, and they can help calculate based on your dimensions of your room and the way things are set up and the furniture and stuff that you may have in your room. They can recommend a package of what you would need at the bare minimum, where and how you want where you want to place the acoustic treatment, and they can give you a whole different bunch of options based on your budget. So definitely check out acoustic treatment. It is so important. So those are kind of my top five things that I have here in my studio. Again, Triad Orbit and all their accessories, their mic stands and all their little gadgets to hook up lights and microphones and cameras. And I can't say enough good things about Triad Orbit. This stuff lasts a lifetime. You ought to check that out. The single channel fader port, something I can write automation and quickly start and stop my DAW session with, uh, with tactile feel and not have to use my mouse or trackball. Uh, a good monitor controller is something you really want to consider if you have multiple pairs of speakers. And again, you can buy something for a hundred bucks. I don't recommend that. It's just like the quality of your speakers. I recommend try to get your monitoring controller, get something decent that's made well, that has a really good reputation. A proper subwoofer. Again, if you're considering a subwoofer, just like with the monitor controller, make sure you buy a decent sub to match up with your speakers. Don't go buy a cheap subwoofer for the sake of buying one because it's not going to help you. It's going to hurt you. And then last but not least, if you buy a subwoofer and you don't have acoustic treatment in your room, you are making a big mistake, my friends. So make sure you have your acoustic treatment dialed in. So those are my five favorite tools. I'd love to know what your favorite five favorite tools are. I'll leave them in the comments below if you're listening to this on YouTube. I want to thank you so much for listening to this episode. Now, as I said at the beginning... I want to give you a couple of things here just for checking out this podcast. So if this is your first time here, head on over to homerecordingmadeeasy.com. Get yourself a free mixing course worth 50 bucks. It's right on the homepage. You can't miss it. It's my gift to you just for visiting homerecordingmadeeasy.com. And if you take that course and you like the way I teach and you like my training, uh, my teaching style, and you want to check out one of my other paid training courses, and there's a whole host of them at homerecordingmadeeasy.com, I want to give you a discount. Use the coupon code PODCAST30. That'll take 30% off any of the courses on my website. And until next week's episode, I've been Dave with HomeRecordingMadeEasy.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.